0: Hey and welcome to the Basta Podcast episode 122. I'm your host Emily Aries and oh my god y'all, we are 1 week away. From publication day and I am freaking out. I am so excited to get this book into your hands and to hit the road on our nationwide bossed up book tour. I am so excited and so appreciative for all of your support and encouragement along the way. This book has been four years in the making and it chronicles really everything I've learned in the past 10 years about how to beat burnout, how to own your power over your career and life, and advocate for your vision, for your reality. And right now, if you pre-order the Boss book, really just in the next six days, any day before May 21st, I'm going to send you the cutest pre-order package bundle that you can possibly imagine. You have to see the pictures of it on Instagram and at bossuporg slash book right now, because I'm shipping off signed book plates to personalize your hardcover copy as well as stickers we had made just to celebrate the Bossed Up book and a cardstock mini version of the Bossed Up Manifesto, which is the perfect inspirational art to adorn your workplace or really anywhere you need to feel like a boss. Pre-order your book and fill out the Claim Your Perk form at bossuporg slash book, and I'll make sure to pop one of those pre-order bundles in the mail for you right away. Thanks so much for your early support, and I cannot wait to see so many of you on the Bossed Up book tour. It all starts next Tuesday night, May 21st. Here in Denver, I'm hosting a Boston Book launch party at Bar Helix in Rhino. It's going to be so much fun. We have 100 people registered to join us. But if you want to add your name to the list, we already have 100 people registered to join us, and it's going to be such a party. And then the next day, I'm headed to DC for two days worth of incredible events, one with my former co-host, of the Stuff Mom Never Told You podcast, Bridget Todd. And then the next day on May 23rd, I'm hosting a DC event at Politics and Prose in the Wharf with the Badass Women's Book Club before I head to Providence, Rhode Island, Hartford, Connecticut, New York City, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Chicago, Illinois, Austin, Texas, Los Angeles, California, and San Francisco for what is sure to be one hell of a Bossed Up Book Tour. I hope you'll join me and all the fabulous, fierce women who are my special guests at events along the way. Get all the details at bossup.org book and register now before we hit our capacity. I can't wait to get bossing with you and to continue these conversations that we have on the podcast, but live and in living color. I hope to see you there. Now, as for today's podcast topic, we are talking about kind of a touchy subject And I'm thrilled to break it all down with the one and only Ayana Angel. Now, Ayana is an author herself, an experienced career pivoter, and the host of the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. And today, we're talking through a really interesting and all-too-relatable career conundrum sent in my listener, Mackenzie, who's struggling to deal with the haters at work and in life. Take a listen.
1: Hi, Emily. This is Mackenzie calling from Cleveland, Ohio. And my career conundrum has to do with a career transition that I made. I, in the last year, moved from a pretty lucrative marketing and advertising career to what I actually wanna do, which is baking. And when I did that, most of my friends and family were really, really supportive of my career move, but you know, it came with its downside. The hours are different and I am making less money. Some of my family members have been really hating on my decision even after a year of me being really happy in it and I was wondering you know if you had any tips for dealing with the haters when you make a career transition because even if you're happy a lot of times people give their unsolicited and oftentimes rather nasty advice to you. So just any tips on how to combat the negative response that you could get to making a career transition. Now,
0: this is an all too real and too relatable career conundrum, Mackenzie. So thank you so much for calling it into the Boss Up podcast hotline. And Ayana, I am so glad to have you here to help me break down this conundrum. Welcome to the Boss Up podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm excited for this chat.
0: Yeah, and I have to give you a big thank you for having me on the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast, which is absolutely amazing. And I know the Bossed Up community is going to love hearing that. Yes, yes, yes. We just had a great interview, right? I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. You had so much
2: good stuff to say. So excited for everyone to hear that.
0: Yeah, and thanks for having me on. It's such a great show. We'll drop a link in today's show notes so that everyone listening can get to know Ayana's show as well. It's great for women who are navigating a career pivot in particular, like our wonderful caller, Mackenzie. <laughs> Ayana, what is some of the first advice that you might give to Mackenzie when dealing with haters a year into her big career switch? You know what? It's so
2: funny, the first thing that I would share with Mackenzie is very simple. You got to boss up and block out sometimes. It's just that it's just <laughs> yes. that simple. You know, there's always going to be a lot of people that have opinions, right? Like she said her their unsolicited opinions and everything else. But you also have to realize that sometimes what you're doing creates fear in other people. It doesn't necessarily yes. create fear in you, although it might, but what they're doing is they're projecting their fear in terms of what they wouldn't be willing to do, what they're afraid of doing, what they're intimidated by, they're projecting that onto you. So you have to look at that through a different lens and understand it for what it is. It's not really mm-hmm. them saying, "McKenzie, I don't believe in you. I don't think you can do this. It's them more so saying, I don't believe in me. I don't think I could do what McKenzie is trying to do. And right now, when you have those people that approach you with that type of conversation or from that angle, Cut it off at the pass. Don't allow it to Mm -hmm. infiltrate your space. Just stop it and say, you know what? I'm not really interested in having this conversation right now. You know, you can say (laughs) things like that because if they're going to be so bold to give you their unsolicited opinion, you can be bold right back and say, not Mm -hmm. really interested in this right now. Not really feeling this, you know, or you can just be honest with them and say, hey, you know, Right now, this is a very vulnerable time for me. I'm trying to build myself up daily. And the types of things that you're saying to me right now, it is really doing a great job at tearing me down. And I don't really think that's what I Mm. need right now. So if you don't mind, I'd rather not have this conversation.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we're taught to like swallow our Mm -hmm. hurt, you Mm -hmm. know? We're taught to not say ouch when someone's words hurt us. Right, right, (laughs) But it's like you're saying, oftentimes it comes from a place of projected fear, That people aren't necessarily trying to hurt you. They're just hurt folks. And I almost think of my parents in particular. I'd be curious to hear about your experience, Ayana. But when I announced to my parents Mm -hmm. that I was stepping away from my steady paycheck job (laughs) that was, frankly, better paying than than most of what they've ever Mm -hmm. earned... And that I had the audacity to basically take that for granted and try to try my hand at this crazy experiment that was bossed Mm up. I remember thinking, you know, my dad is the most anxious, worrywart member of the family. He's not going to like this. (laughs) He's not going to cheer this on. You know, I'd be curious if you've ever experienced that kind of feedback when you've navigated career pivots, because I know you've made some big ones. Tell us Mm -hmm. about how you switched and pivoted along your career path? Yeah, sure. So uh, funny enough,
2: my parents were really supportive. And it was because this was a journey. I had I had been working at the National Basketball Association in New York doing PR for a number of years, maybe about three years in, I started to sort of realize, okay, this is probably not going to be my forever. And I was doing the side hustle and it was jewelry. I was making jewelry. It was an amazing experience because... We had our jewelry worn by people like Beyoncé, Alicia Keys. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was in Italian Vogue. All these amazing things were happening, right? But also, I was able to tap into my creativity more, and I was able to see like what was really fueling me and what had been missing for a number of years. And so that made me curious about what else I could do, what else I wanted to do. Yeah. And I also started to feel like. My time with NPR had run its course. PR is a very thankless Mm. type of career. You're always bending over backwards for people. And I just started to really look at the landscape of things and say, you know, this is not my forever. I don't want this to be my forever. Mm -hmm. I don't feel fulfilled by this. And I don't feel like I'm adding to a larger conversation that's helping people. So I'm going to have to check out at some point. Now I need to figure out what that looks like, right? And then also, there's trials and tribulations that you go through in the corporate world where it doesn't matter if it's the most amazing, seemingly company or not, there's still the corporate stuff that happens. you know, my manager mm. changed, all these little things that were happening, and so my parents they knew about everything that was happening with me regularly, so when I finally decided that, hey, I've been working on writing this book for the last nine months and I think it's time Mm. for me to go ahead and put in my notice. I had the same sort of like feeling that you did. I was thinking this is not going to go good. Like, I don't know what they're going to say, you know, but surprisingly they were super supportive because I've always been very trustworthy. And also when I get my mindset on something, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm very independent. So I think they trusted me that I had thought this decision through enough Mm -hmm. to move forward with it. And they were super supportive. They were like, Hey, you've been going through this and dealing with not really being happy in this position for years now. So if this is what you feel like you need to do, then do it. And so that's what I did. And I quit that job without even having a book deal. It wasn't until four months later that I got the book deal. So I totally Mm. took a leap of faith.
0: (laughs) Speaking of your book, I've got a copy of your book, Quit Playing Small, in my hands right now. And Mackenzie, might I be so bold as to prescribe this to you? (laughs) Because... What I love about your book, it the format is very unique. It's the kind of reader that you can pick up and put down as needed for like a daily dose of confidence. Mm-hmm. And I love the concise nature of each of your, I almost, I don't even know if I want to call them chapters, but each of your sections. Yeah, I call them it's entries. So, <laughs> entries. I love that. They're so straight to the point. And I feel like everyone needs that voice in their head or preferably on their nightstand or in their in their bed, even better. <laughs> but you need that voice of courage, the person who's going to cheer you on to counterbalance the haters, the critics, the fear yeah. that you're already telling yourself. Because I always think of the haters as personal manifestations of my own (laughs) self-doubt. So sometimes I need to turn to people and be like, listen, I already got that narrative of can I even do this? I've got that. I don't need you (laughs) to articulate that to me. I actually worked with this man named Josh at my last political Mm -hmm. job who one day looked at me and said straight to my face, you know you're a political strategist. What makes you feel qualified to start this business? (gasps) (laughs) And I was like, wow, damn, Josh. I was like, most people are thinking it, but they wouldn't say it to my face. Yeah, like, Josh, (laughs) you got a lot of nerve. (laughs) I know. And I I realized at that moment, and what I said to him was, nothing, you know, nothing makes me feel qualified to do Mm -hmm. this, but I'm not going to let that stop me. About a year later, Josh ended up starting his own business. Hmm. So what it really taught me, and I don't have a clue how his business is doing, but I'm doing just fine, mm-hmm, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and so I, I remember realizing, just like you said, Ayana, you know, the critics are often people who are projecting their own wants, desires, jealousy, fear, anxiety on yep. you. Sometimes with pure intentions, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. But we need to always counterbalance them with the voices of courage in our community as well. Absolutely. Who served as that kind of community of courage for you along the way?
2: I would say my peers who some of them are within sort of like the same space and going along a similar journey. And some of them are complete, like nine to fivers, have no ambitions at all of working for themselves. They are like, I love what I do and where I'm at, you know, but my community, they were really, really supportive because I think they sometimes see something in me that maybe I don't always even see in myself. And Mm -hmm. that makes them say things that will reinforce those courage moments and those courage conversations and keep telling me go, go do this, do that. I believe in you. You got it. You know, And every time I do something from the biggest thing to the smallest thing, they're always like text messaging me or on my Instagram in the comments, just like they don't know me saying like, Oh my God, I'm so proud (laughs) of you. This is so amazing. You know, because they know what my journey has looked like. And even if their journey looks different, they're still always there to support me and tell me keep going because I think a lot of them really understand how challenging it could be to go out there on your own and that we probably have more days where we are questioning ourselves and everything that we're doing And we have Mm. days where we're like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. I'm the best, you know? So I think it's just my community. They give me that courage. I know that they have my back. I know that they're cheering for me. And it's nothing better Mm. than knowing that you have your own personal cheering squad that when something fantastic happens, you can run to those people and tell them, and they're going to be just Mm -hmm. as happy for you, you know?
0: I like it. It kind of reminds me of having like a hype woman. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And part of my, my next question for you that you already got me thinking about Beyonce <laughs> now that I know you sold like jewelry that Beyonce is wearing. Is that what you said? Yeah. Way or did yeah, I imagine she, that? She Damn. Wore,
2: yeah, a pair of our earrings in her We Like to Party video or party might be the Oh name of um,
0: my mm-hmm. good God. I need yeah. to see a photo or something because that's amazing. I literally had Beyonce lyrics on my screen when you were saying that (gasps) because Mackenzie, you made me think of the fact that having a hype woman doesn't always have to come in like a real person that you know kind of friend unless you're as cool as Ayana here. But I've got (laughs) Beyonce's song Sorry pulled up here because I think of her lyrics like stop interrupting my grinding when I think about the people who are going to get in your way so, my question for you, Ayana, is what is on your hype playlist? Because I sure as hell have relied on hip hop to keep me going. Oh, yeah. And especially in those early days of starting, you know, year one is. Hard. It
2: is. It is. You're trying to figure out your way. Like I said, I mentioned that, I, you know, my parents trusted me and everything, but when yeah. I look back, like I was super naive. Like I thought I was just going to quit my job and go write books all day. Like that wasn't even my, in my personality, you know, like <laughs> right. I'm a storyteller, but like sitting in a room locked off in isolation, writing books yeah. is just not my idea of fun. <laughs> so I quickly realized that part, you know, I didn't have it all yeah. figured out. So year one definitely was very hard and just trying to figure right? it all out and. I'm a definite hip hop head as well. Love like anything that's going to get me hyped up and I could dance to. Um, but I would have to say mm-hmm. right now, I am listening to Nipsey Hussle. Mm. For those who don't know, Nipsey Hussle recently passed away and he was like murdered actually. And it was yeah. just very like devastating to the world, really. Like every people who didn't know his story started to really tap in and understand his story and what all the amazing things that he had done in the community and really start to listen and support his music more. And so I went for a Mm. run earlier today. Well, let's, let's be honest. I went for a run walk. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm right there with you.
2: So that's what I had on. That was on my playlist because there's just so many songs that he has that just speak so much truth about the journey of not even just entrepreneurship, but just becoming a better person, just getting in tune with yourself and trying to be the best version of you. So that's Really, what's on my playlist right now is just all Nipsey Hustle.
0: <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. And for those who don't know his story, I'll drop a link to some really interesting thought pieces on Nipsey mm-hmm. because I think it hit the black community so hard. Yeah, because it's just a terrible reminder that it doesn't matter how much you seek redemption, mm-hmm. right? Like. This is a man who is extremely active in giving back to his community, despite not having a perfect past, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's like, what can you do to save yourself from police brutality in this country? If you're black, sometimes the answer seems like nothing. Yeah. And that is not okay. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. And And it's just, I think it brought an awareness to the fact that, you know, You can be, like you said, you can be a good person out there trying to do good, but it doesn't mean that. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. doesn't mean that, you know, people won't try and pull negativity into the situation and try and bring you down and try and knock what you're doing. You know, it really still does tie into what we're talking about with Mackenzie. It's like, there's still going to be somebody who doesn't like what you're doing or doesn't approve of what you're doing or thinks that they could even potentially do it better. You know, there's, mm-hmm. the, this world is never going to be void of those types of people. It's just that you want to do the best that you can to have an awareness about those types of people and how mm. to separate yourself from them so that that negative energy doesn't come into your space. Or if they're a person that truly means you like deathly type of harm, that they don't have access right. to you. You know,
0: right. And not make yourself
2: accessible so that they you know, they can think the thoughts and they can feel the feelings that they feel, but you're not subject to it because they don't have access to you. That that really makes a big difference.
0: Absolutely. It almost seems like the more you do whatever it is you're doing, Mm -hmm. whether it's starting a bakery or pursuing a book or whatever, like there are going to be almost more critics Mm -hmm. than had you maintained the status quo. You know, the more change you bring into your life, the more people who don't have that kind of change in their life are gonna question it, are gonna judge it. They might not be judging it out loud to your face, but that doesn't mean they're not judging you behind your back. (laughs) You know, the only way to avoid criticism is to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's no way to live at all.
2: Nope. Not at all. Not at all. I think maybe changing the narrative is a good thing. Celebrate the criticism. Celebrate the skepticism. Celebrate all the Mm. negative things that come your way because it goes in line with what you just said. If you weren't doing anything worth talking about, if you were just the status quo, you were just working the same old regular job, Mm -hmm. nobody even really knew what you did, but you had this nine to five and you had the 401k and, you know, or the pension or whatever else, right? They wouldn't even discuss it you're making no waves. What does that mean? your legacy probably is going to look similar. It won't make any Mm waves, you know? So if you want to be a person that other people can look to, if you want to be a person that creates big and great things, you have to take some chances. Like you just said, you have to get out there. You have to open yourself up to criticism. If you don't open yourself up to criticism and taking chances and making changes in your life, then it's probably going to be a dull existence and people will treat it as such. They won't have anything Mm. to say. They won't hurt your feelings, but at the same time, they won't back you and support you either because there'll be nothing right. to back and support. And if you really think about it on the other side of that, when you get to the place where your bakery or your store, your boutique, whatever it is, your online business, when it is booming, when everybody's clamoring about it, when Oprah just stopped by to get her latest little vittles from you, <laughs> then guess who's going to be like, I knew you could right. do it. Oh, my gosh. Tell me all mm-hmm. your secrets. So how did you do this again? You're going to have their attention now, because now they're going to want to know what the secret sauce is, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, maybe you you reframe the way that you look at it. The more negativity that comes your way, the more people that doubt and question you, bring it on. I must be doing something Mm -hmm. right. I'm making you nervous.
0: You know, you know what you're reminding me of is that people love starters and finishers. Mm -hmm. People love when you start something new, and they love when you've made it. But people don't like to watch how the sausage is made. You know, yeah. People find it's questionable. They raise their eyebrows. They dare to judge. And I guess my question, which I'm wrestling with here, is how to differentiate between these kinds of haters versus instructional, constructive feedback, Mm. because I certainly wouldn't be where I am today had I not listened to criticism, Right? had I not treated some criticism seriously Mm -hmm. and and learned and gotten better and always being really open to that kind of feedback. How can you tell the difference between the haters versus the kind of feedback you want to listen to? I would say check the
2: source. Check the Mm. source. Pay attention to the credentials and the intentions behind it. Where are they coming from? Is this a person who's always been supportive of you? If it is, then more than likely whatever they're saying is meant for the good of you, you know? It's meant to call your attention to some things that maybe they think you haven't considered or some things that they know that they know you don't know, you know? But if it's someone who has never really shown an interest in helping you or pouring into you in any type of way. And then all of a sudden, they have everything to say. But they right. have no experience or expertise or background in anything that you're doing. There's nothing that qualifies them or makes them knowledgeable in your area. Mm. Then I give a little side out of them. I'd be like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Thank you, but no thank you. And sometimes you do just have to say a polite thank you and keep it moving. You know, you, you don't even have to <laughs> yeah. say a no thank you. you just, thank you so much for your input. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. You know? And just leave it there.
0: We did an episode, I think last year, with Sheila Heen, a Harvard business professor Mm -hmm. who wrote a book called Thanks for the Feedback. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a really interesting interview. I'll link to it in the show notes today. That was about not how to give feedback, because I think we we hear a lot about how to give constructive feedback, but it was about how to seek out Mm. constructive feedback. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting hate, And you're worried, is this hate real? Like, should I take this seriously? Yeah. There are ways to go about soliciting feedback, Mm -hmm. but it's really the unsolicited stuff that we all have to knock off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We got to stop doing that (laughs) because I like what you said earlier, how you're in a vulnerable state and you're just starting out. Right. And it's okay to say, including to your parents, because I have to do this on occasion, like, here's what I need to hear from you. Like if you love me and you want to support me right now, I need you to just listen to me rant Mm -hmm. about my bad day and say, I'm sorry, that sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to break it down. I don't want you to tell me what I did wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just want some empathy. (laughs) Right. And I
2: think you make a good point because sometimes you do have to be very explicit with people and let them know, What you're looking for, what your needs are, right? So there's sometimes that you're coming to someone else because you need a listening ear. You don't need feedback. You don't need commentary. You just need somebody to hear you say whatever it is you have to say. But then there's also times where you're coming to someone because you think they're qualified and you want to hear what they have to say. You're telling them because you want some sort of feedback, you know? And I will be completely honest with you guys. I am known for the person to be giving my like unsolicited advice, (laughs)
0: right? That's why we're in this business, Diana.
1: I know,
2: right? (laughs) But the thing is, is I feel like the majority of the people that come to me, it's because they're asking me about something they want me to chime in on, you know, like, or else they wouldn't be coming to me with it. They want to know what I think. They're not just Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, what do you think? And then sometimes they say it, but most times it's because they want your qualified opinion to chime in on whatever it is that they're dealing with or to maybe validate what they're already thinking or what have you, you know? But I think it's also goes back to what I said before, check the intentions. People know, I don't have bad intentions. I don't have intentions to steer you wrong. I only have intentions to encourage you, support you, share what I know, connect you with who I know if that's the Mm -hmm. case, you know? So it's like checking those intentions too when you're getting that feedback from people or when you're having those conversations, right?
0: Yeah. You know, over the years, I have had to check myself on the unsolicited advice front (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) And it's like... I can almost empathize with her critics. Not that I ever hope to be that kind of a critic, but I'm sure I have been in the mm, past. Mm-hmm. And some of us just like jump into troubleshooting. Yes. We love a good brainstorm. And I've learned over the years to say, let me know if you want my take on this before <laughs> <laughs> I jump in. Because <laughs> I got I got some notes, you know? But yeah, you have yeah. to like check your the mood. Right. You know, it's, sometimes it's like, well what does my friend need right now? Does she need a consultant or does she need a shoulder to cry on? Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about sometimes being explicit about asking for what you need because it's not easy. And there are so many armchair experts out there. There's so many people who will sit back and say, let me tell you how you should be doing this, but they are not (laughs) in it. Yeah. And it's like armchair commentary is not helpful (laughs) especially if they don't know what the hell
2: they're talking about it's like really like sometimes when some people come and want to tell me what I should be doing and things like that I'm just like okay because sometimes it doesn't even make sense if they knew what I really did they would know it doesn't even make sense like this is not this is actually not helpful for me like you're wasting air right now because this is like not helpful at all but I'm not gonna tell you that I'm just gonna shine you on I'm just gonna smile and all of that or whatever but in the end, I'm just like, yeah, that was pointless. But it's okay because sometimes yeah. people mean well, though. They do mean well, you know, they want to see you win. So they're thinking that they're helping you to win by giving mm-hmm. you their two cents. And I will say for me, you know, with my unsolicited advice, just like you, like I have had to check myself more, but I also realize that by nature, I'm a problem solver. So if someone's yes. coming to me with a problem, my mind is automatically clicking as to how we can solve this.
0: Having worked with so many career transitioners over the years, what have you found is a helpful skill set or habit to develop for women like Mackenzie to get over that one-year hump? Because I feel like there's all this bravado that goes into making the leap, Ugh. but then it's the one-year slump, like one year into it, and it's still not feeling easy. How have you seen career transitioners – kind of muscle through that murky middle of operationalizing and expanding their new venture, whatever it might be.
2: Yeah, I actually just talked about this on the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. I had a seven-minute Sunday episode where I talked about consistency. You know, it's tough in the beginning, but one of the things that you have to do is, establish your why. And I'm not saying that cheesy, like why that you have to share with everybody else. Know that real internal why, like when you ask yourself, why the hell am I doing this? Yeah. What am I looking to get out of this? You know, establish that why for yourself and then be consistent with how you show up and what you do. That's where a lot of people fall off. They don't stay consistent because they don't see the results that they want to see initially. Yeah. Right. But If you really pay attention to multiple people's journeys, you know, tons of people, you'll see Mm. that in order for them to get to where they needed to be, they needed to be consistent in some shape or form, right? Mm. And I I always tell people too, you know, it's like you have all these hyphens and you, when you're trying to figure it out and maybe something's not working in what you thought you were going to be doing, you switch to this, then you switch to that and you switch to that and you're all over the place, right? People don't know what to do with that. People are comfortable with boxes. They like to be able to put you in a box. So when they can completely understand what box to put you in or what shelf to put you on, then they know what to do with you. Then they know how to access you. This goes back to what we were talking about in our conversation on my podcast. It's like, look, you have inbound people asking you to be a speaker now. Why? Because they know exactly where to place you. They know what your topics are. They know how to utilize you. If people don't know what to do with you, more than likely, they're going to do nothing with you. So showing up consistently is a part of helping them to understand what they can do with you and how they can utilize you. So that's what I tell people.
0: I love that. And to have a little patience, (laughs) right? Like, give it a minute. I I feel like I'm a very impatient person, like so many SPQers Mm -hmm. are. If you switch, if you pivot, if you quit stuff, Mm -hmm. you've got to be impatient in some form or fashion right? because you're not just going to sit idly by when something better could be happening. Mm -hmm. But then pairing that impatience with patience is so key. Right? Absolutely. Putting in the time, putting in the consistency. I love that. Mm-hmm. I want to read a quote from Theodore Roosevelt and get your take on this. Get your reaction to it, Ayana, because I first came across this in the opening cover, really the opening like introduction of Brené Brown's Daring Greatly, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend to anyone considering making a big change in their life. And of course, every time he says man, just know <laughs> that he means person, or I should really just say woman, but here's what Theodore Roosevelt had to say about critics. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms and the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And I love this quote because it reminds you that... (laughs) It's way easier to sit in that arena, right? What's your take?
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think this goes back to what we were talking about before. It's so much easier to fly below the radar, to not take the chances, to not really be seen by people with the efforts that you're making because you're just doing the bare minimum. You're just kind of getting by, right? I think it's those people who out th- get out there and make the waves and who are okay with being a little vulnerable and putting themselves at the forefront because they're trying to do things that they've never done before. You know, Even if it's embarrassing, even if it makes them their knees shake, you know, all those things. Yeah. I think that adds character to a person too. That also gives you stories to tell when you're 80 years old sitting on your rocker with the grandkids, <laughs> right? You know, yes. it's like you've actually lived a life. You've gone through things. You've jumped over hurdles. You've really experienced some things that give you some qualifications and just speaking as a person who's lived a big life and a great life and who has taken chances. So, I love that quote. And I think that that speaks to those Mm. who are out there really trying and doing versus sitting by and just thinking and having the ideas, but never acting on them, but always being a critic of the people who are acting on their ideas and their dreams.
0: I don't think Theo Roosevelt could have said it better (laughs) than you just did. So Ayana, thank you so much for spending some of your precious time and sharing some of your brilliance with the Bossed Up community today. Mackenzie, I know you're going to act on all of this. So give us a call back when you've got a boss move to share and tell us how you overcame those critics. Ayana, in the meantime, where can our listeners catch up with you and get your amazing book, Quit Playing Small, in their hands? Thank you so much, Emily. This was
2: such a fun conversation. So Everybody can get their hands on Quit Playing Small on Amazon. And for all things to keep up with me and all that good stuff, you can head over to ayanaangel.com. And that's A-H-Y-I-A-N-A. And then it's just angel, A-N-G-E-L.com. And that's where you can find the one-on-one work that I do with people because I have Pick My Brain sessions and all that good stuff. You can find the book there as well, Quit Playing Small. You can find the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. And you can also find Maisie Media, which is my podcast network that has podcasts Content curated specifically for women. So that's where you can find me. And also if you're on Instagram, because that's why I really like to hang out socially, you can <laughs> find me on Switch Pivot, or Quits Instagram and you know, say hi.
0: <laughs> awesome. Ayana, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Emily. Find links to all of those great resources that Ayana and I mentioned throughout the course of today's conversation at today's corresponding blog post at bossup.org/slash episode one two two. And now it's time for today's Boss Move Moment of the Week.
1: Hello, Emily. This is Marianne, and my Boss Move Moment of the Week is lifting as I climbed. I was in a meeting where my manager mentioned that several members of our team were on our way to burnout because they were not asking for help. At the end of the meeting, while everyone finished what they had to say about the topic, I mentioned that because of boss Up, I'm an expert on preventing burnout and know all the resources, i.e. boss up the podcast to help them out. I was able to present myself as an expert and someone to help and really explain some of the ways that they could lessen the load on themselves.
0: Yes, boss, I am cheering you on and so proud of you for setting an example of what it looks like to be the boss in your career and life. And I want to thank you especially for calling in your boss move and showing us all what it looks like to be a woman who is proud of herself. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to think about what is one thing you are proud of having tackled in 2019 thus far. We're just about at the halfway point, And I want you to think about what is making you feel like a boss. What's making you feel fierce? What are you most proud of having tackled nearly six months into 2019? I wanna hear from you, boss. So call in your 2019 mid-year boss moves. I wanna hear from you, and so does this podcast community. Just give the podcast hotline a ring right now and leave your message at 910-668-BOSS, or 2677. That's 910-668-2677. And if you found this conversation today helpful, Make sure to share this episode with the boss besties in your life who could use it. Thanks as always for listening, for subscribing, and for sharing all that is Bossed Up and the Bossed Up podcast community. And I can't wait to hang IRL with so many of you on the Bossed Up Book Tour. Make sure to pre-order your copy before May 21st to get in on those sweet pre-order perks I mentioned at the top of the show, because I've got a beautiful Bossed Up manifesto, a signed book plate, and a fresh new Bossed Up sticker with your name on it. Just fill out the form at bossuporg book, and I'll make sure to pop them in the mail for you ASAP. And while you're there, register to join me on the Bossed Up Book Tour so we can talk through beating burnout and stepping up as the boss of your life. In person. I can't wait to see so many of you there. But until then, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose, and together we'll lift as we climb. Let's face it, bostab slash speak up.